tonight, we are going to look at this fourth thing that's mentioned, and it is training in righteousness. And I find that word that Paul used really interesting when he's describing this. Why training? What is Paul actually trying to communicate about the purpose that God's word has in our life? And so tonight we are going to look at that a little bit more. We're going to dig into that a little bit deeper. Um, So before we jump into God's word, um, something that you need to know about me is that basketball has been and is currently a huge part of my life. Um, I grew up playing all through elementary, middle school, high school. Um, I, I love the game of basketball. I am a diehard Carolina fan, and even though we have had a very rough start to our season, I'm sticking with my team, um, but I just love watching them play. I love watching the game of basketball. Um, it's a high-energy sport. You're watching the ball as it moves up and down the court. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of energy going on on the floor. Um, I even love, like, the sounds of a basketball game. So shoes squeaking on a court, one of my favorite sounds in the world. And I know I just heard somebody try and do that, and they did not do it. Um, I know as all of you try and squeak your shoes across the floor, it's probably covered with flour. Yes. Whoever did that, that is one of my, like, favorite sounds. That's Caleb whistling, I think. Maybe. I don't know. I can't see. Anyway. I love the all-encompassing game of basketball. The sound of the ball going through the net when it swooshes, also one of my favorite sounds in the world. Um, And so even now, I am an assistant basketball coach for a girls varsity team at a private school in the area. And so um, I, I just, I love the game. It's a huge part of my life. But as a player, when I was growing up playing, Um, And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this, whether it's a sport, a hobby, a skill, whatever it might be. Sometimes when you went to practice, it was literally the worst. Like, you just did not want to go to practice because you knew what was coming. Especially, like, in the beginning of the season when it is just straight-up conditioning. And all you did was run the entire practice. Um, Or even, uh, I remember I had a teammate that... Uh, kind of talked back to the coach, gave coach a little bit of an attitude. And so we as a team collectively had to take the punishment. And so literally just ran the entire practice. Or there were some practices where, like, you didn't get to do any of the fun stuff. Like, you didn't get to scrimmage. You didn't get to play three on two. You didn't get to do any of this stuff. It was just all conditioning and working on, like, fundamental drills. And so looking back at that time, even um, now, especially as a coach, Um, sometimes it was really easy to, like, hate your coach in that moment when they have just made you run, like, a hundred up and downs, down and backs, whatever you want to call them. Um, But looking back at that, you recognize that there is purpose in it, that all of the training, all of the hard work, that there was a purpose behind it. It wasn't because my coach was a jerk. It wasn't because they were trying to be mean. It wasn't any of that stuff. Um, But they wanted us to excel. They were helping to prepare us to meet our goal, to achieve something um, greater. And so um, we had to train in order to meet that goal. And so whether that was we had to run so we could build up endurance in order to withstand the pace of the game, 
or maybe that was working on our shooting form so that way we could actually make, um, so we could actually score points, or whether that was we had to learn how to work together as a team. Like all of this stuff, the things that we worked on, they all served a purpose. And so whether you are an athlete, a musician, an artist, whatever you are, whatever thing you are trying to attain, it takes us working at it. It takes us training. And so we see in this passage in the scripture where for us to live righteously, we have to go through training. Training isn't always fun, but it requires commitment. It requires discipline. It requires sacrifice. But the thing is, is that it's always worth it in the end. Looking back on it, once you achieve your goal, you can see that it was worth it. And so we see these words, training and righteousness, in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, when it says, all scripture is inspired by God, and it is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be, may be complete, equipped for every good work. You first need to understand what righteousness is. When we look at this definition of righteousness, if you were to Google it, the, the definition that would come up is the quality of being morally right. It's, it's this characteristic of being somebody that is morally right. And this tells me two things. One, it tells me that there is an actual standard of right and wrong. That it's not whatever you want it to be. That God has already set the standard and we go to God's word to find what that standard is. To be morally right means that we are somebody that is set apart, that is different, that is um, working towards his purpose. The second thing that I want you all to understand is that there's this fancy word called um, justification, which essentially means to be declared righteous. And so if we believe in Jesus, we have been declared righteous. Meaning that when God sees us, that when he looks at us, he doesn't see this unpaid debt of sin in our life. He sees Jesus. He sees that he's the one that has already paid for that debt, and now we are in a right standing with God. This is not saying that you have to earn righteousness. I want you to understand that. This is not saying you earn righteousness. What it is saying is that you have to learn to be a person that is characterized by righteousness. And the second word in this verse that I really want you to have a clear understanding on is the word training. This word training, it indicates so much more than just like giving instruction or just telling somebody what to do. That's not what this word is picturing. What this word is picturing is it's more of like a parent to a child it's this picture of literally taking a child by the hand and nurturing them, of showing them what to do. It's not just hear my words, like do as I say kind of thing. It's like, no, like follow me and do what I'm showing you to do. And so our training in righteousness is more than just reading God's word and having this understanding of what it says. What this is a picture of is it's actually putting it into practice. And so Understand that training in righteousness, we have to understand that we have to put into practice what it looks like to be somebody that is characterized by righteousness, somebody that is characterized um, by being morally right. But how do we do this? It's 
easy to like have like, okay, cool, like that's something that God's word says to do. But the question is, how do I actually do it? How do I train in righteousness? And why should I even do it? What is the purpose of it? What is the benefit of it? Because remember in this passage, it's telling us that there is a benefit to this. But what is that? And so we're going to look at 1 Timothy 4, um, verses 7 through 10. If you have a Bible that you just grabbed, you can flip there. Um, but it's 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. And it says this. This is Paul giving instruction to Timothy. And he says, have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life, but also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason, we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. So again, we see in this passage where Paul is telling us to train for something. He's telling us and instructing us that as believers, we have to train for godliness. We have to train how to live an obedient and fruitful life for the glory of God. That's something that doesn't come um, natural to us. You see where he gives this like comparison and contrast with how athletes train? Um, if you think about like a serious athlete, like somebody that is really dedicated to their sport, not somebody that's just like, I'm doing this because my parents make me. No, like a serious athlete that is dedicated to what they do. They train. They stay away from certain things knowing that it's not good for them. They make sure that they're eating the right foods, that they are fueling their body properly, that they are doing the right exercises, the right type of things that are going to help them improve. They have a commitment. They have a discipline. They uh, live in this sacrificial mindset. In verse 10, it says, for this reason, we labor and strive. This word strive in the original language, it's where we get our English word agonize. And so it's this picture of putting in the work, putting in the effort and giving it all that you have, leaving like you leave everything on the floor kind of thing. And so in today's Christian culture, a lot of times we tend to be very like heavily focused on God's grace and how all we have to do is come to him, which, yes, that's 100 percent true. I'm not trying to negate that in any way. But we don't always talk about the cost of what it looks like to follow Jesus. The longer that I've walked with Jesus, the more that I realize um, that if I want to have a growing relationship with the Lord, that I can't coast. That it requires effort on my part. It's like kayaking. If you put in, you have to put in the effort to actually get to the destination that you want to go. If you don't paddle, you are aimlessly drifting. And so I know in my life, I see godly women, and I think to myself, man, I really want to be like them one day. These people that are so in love with the Lord, people that are following Jesus with everything that they have within them, that are just completely obedient to Jesus. But this doesn't just happen. I don't wake up one day and suddenly I'm like them. In order to get there, I have to train for that. I have to train for godliness, and that requires effort, and it doesn't come naturally. It's not natural for me to want to forgive people that have wronged me. It's not natural for me to want to evaluate my heart and call out the sin in my life. It is not natural for me to want to love people that I don't get along with. 
team that I help coach, we have three words that we tell our girls. That this is what we want to see in them as athletes, and this is what we want them to do for themselves. And these three words have become our, our team mantra, if you want to call it that. But these three words are energy, effort, and commitment. When I think about these three words, they go well beyond the boundaries of a basketball court. That I have to put in the energy on days when I just want to straight up be lazy, when I don't want to, when I don't feel like it. That I have to put in the effort, that I have to put in the work and attempt my goals, even if I don't meet them perfectly. There has to be an effort there. That I have to put in commitment, that I have to be dedicated to my goals, meaning that I see the long term that I'm trying to reach instead of just the current state. These three words should be something that describe all areas of my life, that it should be what my relationships look like with family and friends, that it should be my work, my school. It should be also about my walk with Jesus. Training to be somebody that is becoming more like Jesus holds greater value than what any athlete does to prepare for their game. And an athlete trains to prepare for a very temporary goal, whether that's to win the trophy, whether that's to win the award, um, whether that's to gain a certain status with your stats, whatever it might be. But learning how to become more like Jesus, Scripture tells us that that is something that has eternal benefit. But we have to learn, not just have this head knowledge, not just read God's word, not just have this like mental understanding, but we have to put into practice the things that God's word tells us. If a Christian actually put in as much effort and discipline into their spiritual walk as an athlete does with their game, as Christians, we would grow so much faster and accomplish so much more for God. Godliness holds a value not only for the present time, but it also holds value for the future, for time to come. As we grow and we learn and we grow closer to Jesus, we help point others to him. And ultimately, hopefully, that leads to others coming to know him, meaning that we have had an impact on eternity. That somebody that wasn't headed to heaven previously is now headed there. That's an eternal impact, not just a temporary thing. So we see, like, there, there has to be this understanding that, that there is value in putting forth an effort into living a godly life. But how do we do it? How do we actually train? There's a couple of things that I really just want to clarify and really, really want y'all to understand. That you do not train as a way of earning your salvation with God. That's not what this is. Because your salvation has nothing to do with how good you are. And it has everything to do with how great he is. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourself. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. Training is our response to the goodness of God and what he's done for us. The most common verse in the world that everybody and their mother knows, and, like, if you're not a believer, you've, like, heard this verse, but it's such a clear picture of the gospel. For God so loved the world 
and give his one and only son. And whoever believes in him and saved will not perish, have eternal life. But the part that I love is verse 17, which so often gets skipped over. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Righteousness has literally nothing to do with how good we are and has everything to do with how great he is. You cannot train for righteousness if you don't know and have an understanding of who Jesus is. That he came for you, that he came to take the debt that you owed, that the, to pay for your sin, that he died on the cross, that he rose three days later, defeating sin and death. And he said that all you have to do is confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you will be saved. Righteousness is a result of God's work in us. We put in the effort to becoming more like Jesus as we learn to put into practice what he has told us and shown us through his word. And so it's this recognition of who we are, and it's a response in light of who he is. And so this morning, um, Caleb, he was talking um, and shared that he said, it's like, if you want to know what it looks like to make Jesus Lord of your life, you have to look to God's word. It tells us how we do it. And so training, it's not always easy, just like if you're training physically, you're going to have days where you don't want to do it, where you get exhausted. And so I just think about, like, those days when you've been invited to a party or someplace that you want to go, but you know there's stuff there that you shouldn't be a part of, so you say no, but your friends keep asking you over and over and over again, and you just kind of get worn down, and you're like, all right, start to like compromise and you're like all right well I might as well say yes and you just want to give into that walking with Jesus requires energy effort and commitment but I can tell you that it's worth it I do not ever regret being obedient to God but what I do regret is those moments when I was not obedient to what I know that he was telling me to do on those days when it seems especially hard to be obedient and hard to follow Jesus remember that your focus is on the long term. Your focus is on the goal, not the effort that it takes you to get there. When you go back and when you look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that last verse in 17, it says, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God has given us everything we need aside from himself, or including himself, to be complete. The word complete, it gives this picture of being fit, of being in shape, and being in good condition. It does not mean sinless perfection. It implies that you are fitted for use, that you are somebody that is useful. And so the ultimate purpose when we look and study God's word, when it has this effect in us, it's not that we just understand what it says, that we just understand the doctrine, that we just understand how to defend our faith, that we just have an understanding. But its ultimate purpose is for equipping those that those that read it and know who God is, it is meant to equip us so that we can be ready for every good work that God has prepared for us. Because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. We could easily just coast along and miss out on what God is trying to do in our life. Or we can put forth the energy, the effort, the commitment of what it looks like to walk with Jesus and to learn from him and to be obedient to what he's called us to do. One of the coolest moments you will ever experience is when you realize that God has used you for his purpose and for his glory. When that light bulb clicks where you're like, man, God just used me in that moment to encourage that person, to bring that person to the kingdom, to allow them to 
um, know who Jesus is. That's one of the coolest moments. We do all of this by knowing God's word and actually applying it to our lives. The better we know the word of God, the better that we are able to live um, and to work for the glory of God. And so we discipline ourselves. We train ourselves. We spend time in God's word. Um, we pray. We, we build community with, um, with, with other believers. And so really quick as we wrap up, um, I don't want you to walk out of here with this, like, heavy burden of all that you have to do. Like, you just have to start training. You just have to, like, run yourself into the ground. That is not what I'm saying. My heart is that you would see the importance and the urgency of what God's word is telling us. That if you think that you have to do it on your own, then you're missing the point. That it's through the Holy Spirit that God empowers us to be obedient to him. Do not try and do this on your own because you will fail and you will get quickly burnt out. Seek the Father. Ask him um, to give you the strength needed to be obedient to him, especially when our hearts are sinful. Our hearts are sinful, and we want to do otherwise. Do not let your age be an excuse for not pursuing godliness. Back in that passage of um, 1 Timothy 4, a little bit further down in verse 12, it says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for believers in faith, in love, in speech, in conduct, and in purity. Scripture's told us, just because you're young, don't think that you can't live a godly life. Don't think that that's something that you can't pursue um, as somebody that, that is younger. And so tonight, um, I just want to leave you with two questions. And Caleb, he actually asked this first question this morning. Um, but what does it cost you to follow Jesus? Has your walk with God taken a priority in your life so that you can be equipped and ready for every good work that God has in store for you? If you recognize that there has been no effort in your walk with the Lord, that there has been no growth, it's time to reevaluate. And so the second question is how can you start training your vision? So what does that mean for you? Does that mean that, man, like in order to pursue righteousness, in order to pursue a godly life of walking with the Lord, man, I really need to get in God's word, or I really need to learn how to pray, or I really need to get involved with a Christian community around me, not people that don't know the Lord and have um, no same goals in mind. And so remember, it's not about perfection. It's about the progress. Training doesn't mean that you're going to do it right the first time. It means that you're going to continue to put in the effort until you do get it right, and then you keep practicing. You don't master something the first time, and once you have it mastered, you don't ever practice it again. You keep practicing because if you don't practice, you'll forget it. So just remember that, that in this, God is patient with us. He's gracious with us as we learn. He knows that we're not going to be perfect. He knows we're going to mess up and fail, but he's so gracious and so patient, and he cheers us on um, as, we, as we pursue a walk being honoring to him. Um, so with that, I'm going to uh, close us in prayer, and then we'll head out of here. God, I pray that we would recognize who we are in light of you. God, that we did not deserve you, and yet you came to us. 
God, I pray that we would be in awe of that, that that is not a fact that we easily forget. And Lord, I pray that as we pursue what righteousness looks like, may we realize that that is a response um, of your goodness to us. Lord, that we can't earn anything with you. Um, We can't earn this favor with you. But Lord, it's something that you have called us to do as we pursue a life that can be used for for your good and for your glory. So God, I pray that these students would just begin to recognize the areas in their life where they need to pursue you and grow in their discipline um, of walking with you. So Father, we pray for these students as they go. Um, Give them a great week. In Jesus' name, amen.